A select few survivors are tasked with colonizing and repopulating a new Earth. Strong female characters drive the action in this dystopian post-apocalyptic thriller. Georgia, one of several beautiful genetic exotics, dares to break free from the tightly controlled social structures that forces women like her into a life of sexual slavery and forbids all women to bear and raise their own babies. Enter the hatchery. Chapter 28 Father's Day while Roxy never completely warmed up to Iris and remained steadfast in her loyalty to her favorite, Auntie Sheila, at least the baby devil and Iris had learned to tolerate each other. Time tends to soften the rough edges in relationships. It had been three and a half years since her official breakup with Franklin, and both had more or less gone their separate ways. Georgia would suffer occasional pangs of guilt that compelled her to pay a visit to Franklin's condo, but she was just going through the motions for old time's sake. Franklin had been slowly deteriorating as he approached fifty. The hard muscles that used to bulge from his chest had fallen to his belly. His five o'clock shadow had turned gray, but his face was still ruggedly handsome. He was always glad to see her, and she pretended to feel the same but she could never really forgive him for his continued indifference towards Roxy. Father and daughter had remained strangers. Georgia had aged out as an egg donor shortly after adopting Roxy, and Franklin, while not officially retired, was rarely called upon to step in for a donor who called in sick. Georgia continued to volunteer on occasion at the nursery, though she did so to continue to ingratiate herself with the R.T.'s, just in case. Franklin had basically dropped out of Sector B social venues. He stopped going to the Oasis, stopped working out, and stopped seeing other women. He had suffered too many embarrassing failed attempts, a real blow to the ego of a once legendary sperm donor. Franklin spent most of his days lounging on the same beat-up couch, emptying bottles of palm ale down his gullet and making excuses for himself. Nevertheless, Georgia maintained a soft spot in her heart for him. He had given her the gift of Roxy, and in his own way, Franklin was always there for her. She would never abandon him. It was Father's Day, and Georgia had prodded Roxy to make a card for the invisible man whom she eventually learned was her daddy. The card wasn't much to look at, just a tiny stick figure man in the corner and Happy Father's Day, written in large print across the front. Roxy ran out of room for the Y in day, so she wrote a giant accusatory Y inside the card. That was it. No sentiment, no drawing, just a great big Y. Georgia feigned admiration for the artwork and sentiment and told Roxy that she would deliver the very special card to her daddy and that he would love it very much. 
She carried it neatly folded in her jumpsuit pocket as she made her way down the path to Franklin's condo. She knocked on his front door and waited, knocked again and waited again, feeling more impatient and irritable as the minutes passed. He's probably passed out on that couch again, she said to herself. She fumbled for her key to the condo, Franklin insisted that she keep it, and started to put it in the lock, but the door was unlatched and opened on its own. Definitely passed out. Georgia sighed heavily, shaking her head in disapproval as she let herself in. There was a stench of unwashed socks and stale palm ale in the air. The small living room was empty and in its usual state of disarray. Franklin, she called out. Are you home? She walked into his bedroom and could hear the water running in the shower. Franklin, it's just me, she yelled. I brought you a Father's Day card from Roxy. She walked into the steam-filled bathroom as she had so many times before. Franklin? The water was running in the shower, but it was unoccupied. The shower curtain was wide open. She began to feel a sense of dread. Where are you? A puddle of water had pooled around a towel left on the bathroom floor. Georgia conducted a thorough search around the condo, looking under the bed, under the huge pile of dirty clothes in the closet, and behind the couch, then back to the bathroom. She stepped carefully over the puddle and reached into the shower to turn off the water. Franklin must have left the condo in a hurry, but even he wouldn't leave the water running like that. Confused and discouraged, Georgia pulled Roxy's card out of her pocket and placed it on the coffee table on her way out. She was unsure whether she should lock the door behind her. Did he remember his key? He'll be back, she reassured herself. He's such a dope. Who leaves the house with a shower on like that? As she pulled the door shut behind her, her eyes rested on the bloody fingerprints on the door jam. He's gone. They've taken him to the termination center. He put up one hell of a fight, Georgia. I saw the whole thing. Georgia looked around for the source of the familiar voice. Phil, is that you? I can't see. I'm up here. She looked up and saw Phil's head peering out from the roof. Phil, I thought you were dead. Nah, I've been hiding out up here. You might say Franklin and I are housemates. I just climb down at night and help myself to whatever's in the fridge. He's usually conveniently passed out on the couch. Your old boyfriend never locks his front door. He's a very hospitable fellow. I'm gonna miss him, poor bastard. George's mind was swimming in shock and confusion. What? What do you mean? You saw them take him away? Who took him away? Where is he? I told you, they took him to the termination center. His number's up, Georgia. But he never said anything. I, I thought... I'm sure he had no idea they were coming for him either. These TC guys don't exactly call in advance. It's usually a surprise party. Georgia cupped her hands over her face. Oh, no. Oh, my God. A word of advice to a friend. Don't waste your time trying to help the guy... 
He's a goner. Pack up your little girl and get the hell out of this sector. The sooner the better. They never just euthanize the sperm donors. They like to rough them up a little bit first to see what information they can get out of them. Once they start, what they do, you've got to take your daughter and go now. George's eyes widened with panic. He knows about Roxy. She took a deep breath, trying to calm herself. No, he wouldn't tell. He wouldn't. I know he wouldn't. He promised me. Phil shook his head sympathetically. I'm sure he'll fight, but these TC guys are pros, Georgia. They can do things to a person that will make him tell them anything they want to know. He leaned a bit further over the roof to emphasize his warning. You need to listen to me, Georgia. Go straight home. Don't say anything to anyone. Just get your kid and get to the border. I'll be there waiting for you. She nodded nervously. Don't pack anything. It could arouse suspicion. Don't tell the exotics anything, either. If they ask you, just tell them you're taking your kid to the park or something. Okay, but you can't meet us at the border, Phil. It's too dangerous. They'll recognize you. It's all right. I've spent two years up here alone. I've had plenty of time to think and remember. He swallowed hard. Some of those memories are pretty hard to take, Georgia. I've done some terrible things, and, well, I've got my own good reasons to help you, you and your little girl. I'll meet you behind the RC in half an hour. Hurry. Before she could respond, Phil had rolled back out of sight. Looking around, Georgia took another deep breath and walked briskly back to the exotic storm, determined to follow Phil's advice for the sake of her child. She knew Phil was right. It was best not to put Franklin's good intentions to the test 